It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. the rock chalk talk podcast as we talked about last week this week is our season finale uh we actually have a bunch of different people coming on this week uh we're gonna have a bunch of different topics to talk about this is actually gonna end up being probably about two different parts um starting us off tonight i am talking right now with mike plank we are going to uh, talk a little bit about the football program and then we'll kind of see who else we can ruffle up here to to give us some more conversation on a bunch of topics later in the evening. How, how are you doing tonight, Mike? Well, first of all, Andy, I'd appreciate a little bit more respect in the intro. I mean, you know, you can put in fearless leader or revered EIC or, you know, something to get, you know, a little more pomp and circumstance to my intro there. I'd really appreciate that. All right. All right. I'll just <laughs> see coming out for next season. How's that? <laughs> no, I'm 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 doing great. How are you doing? Uh, I'm I'm doing pretty good. So, uh, we're we're gonna go ahead and start off. Uh, the big football news that's happened in the last couple weeks here is the the news coming out um, that uh, Shanzinger talked about the three hundred million dollar renovations that's going to happen at Memorial Stadium, including an indoor practice facility. Um, obviously, that was uh, some pretty big news when it came out. Um, you know, we've kind of we've kind of talked about how uh, Kansas has been showing the willingness to put a lot more money into football, um, even all the way back to Lou Perkins. Um, so, first of all, what are your thoughts on the renovations themselves? Um, and then, kind of, what else are you thinking about in terms of the, I guess, the hubbub surrounding it, the the reaction from across the nation, and all of that? Well, um, I uh, I penned an article in February or so about, uh, you know, they had all the season ticket holders. They invited them over to the football complex and you got to, they just had a huge open house. You walk through the coaches offices, you could walk through the 
living room. You could walk through the the water room, you know, where they have all the water tanks, you know, for hydrotherapy and that type of stuff, and and all the the meeting rooms and the media rooms. And you just go wherever. And now for guided tours too. But in, and I don't know if you remember seeing that article a few months ago. But I mean, it was the facility they have now is incredible. The locker rooms are part of that. The facility they have now is just incredible. Uh, and you know, multiple comments, even from recruits, saying these are the best facilities in the country. Uh, you know, uh, stuff like that. So the, the, they've already got, I think, a lot of what they need for the recruits. And the indoor, indoor facility is only going to help that, obviously. Uh, apparently, they can't go goals and ponds and, and some special team stuff like that where they're at, uh, which which makes sense. Um, the, so, I, I, you know, obviously, an indoor practice facility is going to be a good deal, but, I mean, that's not going to cost $300 million, right? Uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not sure where they're going to put all this money. Uh, you know, I, I know the, the stadium was built in 1921, I believe. Uh, you know, and it, it, it <laughs> I, I actually kind of like it. I think it's really cool, throwback, old timey feel. But you know, it it does need, especially on the interior, it needs some renovations. It needs, uh, it needs some wider concourses. It needs some renovated bathrooms for sure. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure that the press people would like it, you know, you know, they have a nice, pretty new press box. I'm sure they would like some new stuff up there and, you know, and for the suite holders and stuff like that. So, I, I mean, I can see money going into all of that as well, but are they going to lower the field and add more seating? Are they going to, you know, put club boxes on the east side like they wanted to do 10 years or so ago? Uh, you know, I, I just, I'm not sure where all this money is going to go. That's a lot, a lot of money. Uh, I don't, and, and from what I understand, uh, you know, reading up on the, on the LJW there, uh, they're not going to address any of the fan experience stuff for four or five years. So they're going to do all the, you know, you know, interior improvements, the, the indoor practice facility, and then they'll address the fan experience in the stadium. So that's still a couple of years away for, I mean, it's a good thing to be excited about, but. You know, I don't. I don't know that that you and I are going to see much of a change uh, on game days for for at least three or four years. Yeah, I mean, I, I think three hundred million obviously is a big number to throw out there, and it's you know, and and with the plans themselves not being released, just this number being thrown out. There's a lot we could talk about that they need to update, or they potentially could, and we could throw all kinds of numbers out about how much we. You know, we think something's going to cost to do how much they actually can be able to fit in with a 300 million. But really, and until those plans get released, and my understanding is it won't be until September that they're actually going to release those to the public. Right. We don't really know what this actually means in terms of tangible upgrades. We just know that Kansas is again willing to invest a huge amount of money into their facilities to bring them even further up to date. Um, you know, it's 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 kind of interesting. Yeah, I, I just. It, right. It's hard to see where it's going to go until they release more information. All we can do is speculate. Well, they need to do this. Well, they ought to do this. Well, they should do this. And then you're going to have the people, well, maybe they're going to close the bowl, but then you're going to have people, you know, argue about, you know, well, that's going to ruin tailgating on the hill. Nobody tailgates on the hill anymore. Have you been to a game lately? Nobody tailgates on the hill anymore. Yeah, uh, I think the hill really is just used as free free seating. <laughs> To be honest, right. that's what it was when I was there. Is people right. would go and and they would tailgate in the parking lot, and then when it came time for the game, the people that had their tickets went inside, and those that didn't have their tickets went up on the hill and tried to watch as much as they could. 
and kind of just right. follow with the game. And, and, and now they've got that you know, giant jumbotron in the way, and they've got everything else, and, and you just, I mean, unless you're up by the camp now, you can't see anything. Exactly. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not too worried. I, I would love for them to keep that there just because, you know, I mean, obviously, I don't, I don't think we necessarily need a bunch of extra seating there. I love the view that that gives. And looking at it from the stadium, I think, gives it a, a great feel, a great atmosphere to have the Jumbotron down there, the view of the Campanile, you know, and that's just that open air um, feeling that it gives you. So I, I, there are definitely some things that I would like them to keep. Um, there's definitely a lot of things, like you were saying, the concourses and a bunch of other things that need to be updated. I think the thing that's kind of interesting, though, is, you know, there, there was a big story when they were talking about uh, Texas. And when, when Coach Tom Harmon came, Texas all of a sudden updated their locker room and they spent like 11000 I think, on per athlete just on per the locker. Yeah. Right. Which, which was obviously a huge amount of money. But, you know, we're talking about um, – you know, Kansas is starting to spend routinely now amounts that you would see at those sorts of schools. And I think part of that is just keeping up with the Big 12. But I think a lot of that has to do with the, the excitement that we're starting to see around the program. I mean, obviously, we haven't seen results on the field as much as we'd like with Beatty yet. But he has definitely been able to, and, and we've talked about this before, but he's been able to energize the fans, the alumni, the recruits, the donors, I mean, just everybody is starting to get excited about this program again, and we're starting to see, you know, people that are willing to put money into the program to help it get to that point where recruits want to come here because there are facilities and because they have a coach that is definitely looking forward and, and has something for them to do. Um, you know, I, I, again, I, I think it came out pretty quick, and I'm trying to remember who the source was, but supposedly of that $300 million, KU has actually already raised over half of it with a big portion of that coming from a single donor. Again, I'm not, I'm not, I don't remember exactly who first reported that or if, if there's even been any kind of follow-up on that. But, you know, given, given everything that we've heard recently um, about KU's facilities and, and the excitement that we're starting to see, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that was actually true, that there was one individual who decided, you know, that they were going to donate quite a bit, and that's what kind of kick-started this whole effort and caused a lot of, you know, a lot of this information to come out because there was someone that was willing to get it going. Um, yeah, and I haven't seen that, but, uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me either. So Yeah, and then, again, that may just be kind of rumors that have been floating around. I don't even remember where I saw it from, but I've, I've heard it. I've heard it from a couple different people, and I believe someone commented about it on the site. Um, but, yeah, I wish I could remember who I heard it from first. Uh, but, I mean, either way, whether that's actually true or not, there is, there is definitely a lot of momentum here, and there are a lot of donors that are willing to kind of put up um, a decent amount of money now to get something like this going. It's not like what you, we, you know you used to hear in the past when when Perkins, when Lou Perkins was trying to raise a bunch of money. You know, the biggest joke was, oh well, where are they going to get the money from? You know, I mean, there's nobody that's willing to donate to the Kansas program. Now, obviously, there's still people that's like, well, Kansas is nothing in football. Why are they? spending a bunch of money, but there was no question about the fact that they'd be able to raise the money they need for it. Um, you know, and actually, I kind of want to jump over there now. Um, have you had a chance to kind of look at the, the, the national reaction or, or even just the reaction from KU fans in, in the KC area, and, and what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, just compiling our, our news and notes every morning kind of gives you a glimpse of what national people are saying about stuff like that, and there was a lot of reactions like – why, you know, like kind of just what you said, why is Kansas spending that much money on football? Like, 
we all know they don't care, <laughs> basically, where, where the reaction, especially not necessarily from sports writers, but from, you know, bloggers. So, and I, I just, a lot of people wrote about it, but, you know, the, the ones that did, you could tell they're like, that they just, they just don't get it. You know, why, why is KU doing that? You know, they're a basketball school. Why, why would they spend all that money on football? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, but, uh, you know, they, They've got a good thing going, kind of like you've already touched on. They've got a good thing going. Uh, you know, kind of going back to your Texas thing, you know, Texas just renovated its locker room. Well, guess what? Their lockers are now as not. We beat them to the punch, you know, after we, or I guess before we beat them in football. But that's beside the point. Uh, <laughs> it's not really beside the point. That's, that's the entire point. That's always the point. Are we supposed to get one KU beat Texas in football crack in every podcast and not the game? Every 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 time we talk about football, at least. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, I mean, that's that's just that's kind of where we're at right now. Is, is we're, we're right in the middle, uh, almost. It's probably a bad reference. Almost a no man's land type of area. Like we've gone this far, you know. I or maybe a poker reference would be better. We're, we're pot committed at this point. You know, we've got this money invested in Beatty. We've got this money invested in facilities. You know, we need to take the next step uh, and, and see what we can get going here. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and I think that, you know, a lot of the reaction, of course, there was obviously – there was a site up in Michigan uh, that covers Michigan. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of, yeah. I, I, think, I think we ended up linking to that in the news note. But, yeah. you know, one of the comments they had made was, oh, what is, does that mean they're finally going to get rid of that god-awful track that's around the stadium? It's like, apparently these people aren't paying attention, you know, to what has right. already been done. Um, but, you know, I, the, I mean, the more that I kind of think about it is, you know, and, and the comment was made that Kansas, here goes Kansas again trying to act like they're playing with the big boys. Um, and actually, I think there was even a few people on our site that were talking about how, well, Kansas is pretending to be a big-time football program again, you know, and, and we know how well that went the last time. I think the big difference here, though, is previously with, you know, Charlie Weiss, we committed, we overcommitted and spent a lot of money on a coach. And I think when you're, when you're looking to spend a lot of money in football, there are two different ways you can do it. Um, you can either spend a lot in infrastructure that's going to help every coach be more successful, or you can go find the guy who you think is going to lead your program to success. The, the main issue there is, you know, obviously I think the bigger impact, you can hit a home run by hiring the right coach. The right coach can overcome any kind of situation with facilities, can overcome, you know, a lot of recruiting issues, can energize people, and can make that, make that work and make a big splash as a big coach. The problem is if you whiff on that coach like we did with Charlie Wise, there really isn't anything you can use to kind of carry forward. The much safer investment where you can end up spending a lot of money is spending on facilities because no matter who you are, no matter what your coaching philosophy is, you are going to benefit from having better facilities, you know, facilities that put you on par with your conference rivals um, or at least get you closer to that. That kind of investment is always going to be beneficial to the program. Unfortunately, it's not as immediately beneficial like changing coaches and going to a new system that all of a sudden, you know, works will be, but it's not the kind of investment that you can make that's just going to completely go to waste. And so right. I think what we're seeing here is if we're going to invest a lot of money in the football program, this is the kind of investment we want at this point. We want to keep building that infrastructure. We want to keep putting the program in a better position 
to compete for recruits based off that infrastructure rather than buying into an individual coach. And I totally agree, but I also want to go ahead and say that I feel like you're underselling how dire the situation was that we're, that we're coming out of. It wasn't just Charlie Weiss. Uh, we lost $10 million on Weiss after we lost $10 million on Turner Gill. Right. That, that's $20 million. That's two new locker rooms. That's $20 million. Uh, at least two new locker rooms. I mean, that's money that could have been much better spent, clearly, in hindsight, much better spent elsewhere. And, and if those, those are really hard. They set your program back so far, especially when you do it back-to-back. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the point that I had made was, you know, if if you're going to be investing in your football program and there's any concern about whether it's going to be worth it long-term, you always want to be investing in facilities and kind of find the guy that can build off of your current situation and increase that, you know, as as a coach. Building, spending that money on facilities, you're never going to get to the point where, oh, well, we just built a brand-new locker room but nobody wants to use that locker room anymore. <laughs> you know, so it was a complete waste of money. No, people are going to use that locker right, room. It's a nice right. locker room. It's going to help. It's at least going to keep you on par where you were for. Whereas if you hire a hotshot coach, you know, like we thought Turner Gill was going to be, and we thought Charlie Weiss was going to be after that to kind of give us that tough love that we needed to turn the program around. Well, once we found out that they weren't actually going to be able to do what we expected, not only did we not get anything off of what they did, it actually hurt the program's reputation. But then we still had to give them additional money just to make them go away. So, yeah, that was all completely wasted money. We did not get anything of value at all out of the Turner Gill era and the Charlie Weiss era. Whereas no matter how bad things go from here on out, we, you know, this money that we're spending on football facilities will still be facilities that our next coach can use to try to help rebuild the program. We won't right. have yep. wasted that money. Exactly. Yep. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead. Are any other any other thoughts on the on the renovations or the reaction to it or anything like that? Well, I think we hit it pretty hard there. Yep. I think so too. All right. We are going to go ahead and actually take a quick break. We will be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Uh, we're, we're, we're back for another segment here with Mike. Uh, we're actually going to go ahead and talk just a little bit of volleyball. Mike, the, uh, the, the volleyball team released the schedule for the upcoming season uh, just here in the last couple days. I, I know that you had, had some, some time to kind of look over, and you kind of had, had some thoughts about some of the non-conference teams, some of our conference opponents. I'm just going to go ahead and turn it over to you uh, and, and kind of share with us what you have. Most of our listeners and our readers and our fans know that Kansas volleyball has experienced quite the meteoric rise over the last three or four years because, you know, everybody who follows RCT is such a well-rounded and informed and, just, you know, a good fan and, and a good person. But, uh, you know, that, that of course, that being said, you know, we know that, that KU Volleyball, they've just been really good the last couple of years. They got as high as number four last year in the rankings. Uh, they were in the top ten in the RPI. Uh, they made the final four two years ago. Uh, we were expecting a lot last year, and they got upset by some questionable seeding in the NCAA tournament there. Creighton actually turned out to be really good and uh, should have probably been hosting our own regional, not coming to ours, but 
that's a team they should have beaten. That's a team they beat in the regular season. That, that's a team they should have beaten. Uh, but, uh, you know, Kansas won the Big 12 outright last year, the first non-Texas or Nebraska school to win the Big 12. And I, I can't even remember how many years it's been, 15 years or so, I think. Uh, I probably should have looked that up beforehand. But it's been forever uh, that somebody other than Texas or Nebraska has won the Big 12, Big 8 conference in volleyball. And Kansas did it. Uh, you know, a full game in front of Texas after splitting the season series with them, but Texas lost to somebody else. Uh, but anyway, so Kansas volleyball, really good. They're going to be really good again this year. Uh, they're only losing three seniors off of last year's squad. Two of those girls are starters, so they're returning four of their six starters. Uh, they're losing a front row player and a back row player, uh, Taylor Susie and Cassie Waite, and then one of their one of their main subs, Maggie Anderson, was a senior last year. But uh, you know, like they've got four. Four returning starters. They, they've got some some recruits coming in. Uh, they've got some transfers coming in uh, from some highly regarded transfers coming in from major schools from Colorado, from Mississippi State, and there's a third one maybe from Arizona State, I believe. Uh, but you know the the Jayhawk volleyball program. They're going to be they're going to be really good. I, I'm excited to watch them. The the final four is in Kansas City next December. Uh, hopefully they're they're going to be there. It's going to be a great environment if they can make it. Uh, but they did. They released their full season schedule uh, about a week or so ago, and I took a look through it. And I'm I'm gonna be honest, KU volleyball. If you're listening, I know you're not, but if you are, uh, it's it's not as <laughs> it, there, there, there's a couple of really good teams. And then there's a couple of really bad teams, and then there's a bunch of middle of the road teams. So it's it's not a super exciting non-conference schedule, I, you know. And maybe it's hard for KU volleyball to schedule the Penn States and the Nebraskas and the Minnesotas and the Stanfords. Maybe it's hard for them to do that. I, Texas does it every year. They they play Nebraska. They play Wisconsin. They play Penn, you know, Penn State. They play they play these other top ten programs. And maybe Kansas just doesn't have the cachet. I I don't know what the deal is, but they're not. The, the schedule is not super impressive. They do have, uh, let's see, and this is based on 2016's RPI pre-tournament. So at the end of the season, but pre-tournament. So they've got uh, one, two, three, four, five top 100 RPI teams in there. I'm sorry, six top 100 RPI teams in there. And then they've got two sub 200 RPI teams, and then everybody else is in the 100s. Uh, the one, two, three, four other teams are in the 100. Uh, but, you know, Kentucky is going to be coming to Lawrence. Uh, they were a top 25 team last year. They finished tied for second in the SEC, which is actually pretty impressive. Uh, Purdue, who KU lost to last year, was a top 25 team all year uh, until the end of the season. Uh, but Purdue will be coming to, to Lawrence this year. Uh, they finished third in the Big Ten, which is quite the accomplishment. The Big Ten is a premier, if the big the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are the premier volleyball leagues. That's where you know over half the leagues are ranked, and so uh, they're just very good. And then KU's also going to play Creighton again uh, with some revenge on their minds, I assume. But Creighton went through the uh, Big East unbeaten last year, 18 and 0, unbeaten. Finished the se- finished the regular season ranked 21, advanced to the Elite Eight in the tournament where they fell to Texas. Uh, but uh, Creighton's going to be good. Kentucky should be good again. Purdue should be solid again. They're going to open the season at NC State. NC State was kind of a middle-of-the-road ACC team. They finished tied for fourth, but when you look at it, they were really like seventh because there were a bunch of teams tied for fourth. Uh, they were a you know, mid-60s RPI-type team. Uh, they do have uh, Missouri State on the schedule, won the, the uh, Missouri Valley last year, but lost in the conference tournament, so they're a conference champion that they'll be playing in the non-conference, uh, and then they've got a bunch of just teams that they should just absolutely 
destroy in the non-conference. Uh, Utah Valley, Belmont, San Jose, Santa Clara, Idaho, none of those teams should beat Montana. Montana's the worst team on the schedule. If they <laughs> they shouldn't drop a set to any of those teams. But uh, I, I would uh, I would look for Kansas to go into Big 12 play with either one or no losses against this non-conference schedule and be a top five team all year next year. And I would encourage anybody who has yet to check in to jump on the bandwagon. There's plenty of room here. Uh, you climb the board and uh, start catching some of these games on, on ESPN three or on, you know, Jayhawk network TV or, or wherever you're at to where you can get it's It's fast paced. It's exciting. It's, it's good stuff. And uh, you know, we'd, uh, Love to be able to talk more volleyball here if we can. Yeah, most definitely. Um, you know, I, I, I've uh, kind of jumped on the bandwagon a couple years ago with that volleyball team, um, and I haven't been disappointed yet. But, uh, you know, I, I do think in terms of scheduling, I think it's a lot like with basketball, um, where you can't really necessarily make this, you know, judge the schedule based off of the previous year. You have to think more in terms of what it was you know, a few years prior when they're actually flushing out a good portion of the schedule. And if you think about it, you know, if this, if, if I'm right in terms of the time frame, I believe that the majority of this schedule was put together about three or four years ago, which was right before Kansas actually started working their way up to being a big name in, in volleyball. And I mean, I think it's, I think it's fair to say with their two years of success and the fact that they're returning quite a few players that as it stands right now, Kansas is a big name in, in volleyball. Um, nationally even. I mean, I've, I've seen national commentators that, that have definitely taken notice of what Kansas is doing. And so, you know, at this point, right, you would like to see them have more on the schedule in the non-conference. But given where they were uh, just, though, you know, just a couple years ago, it's kind of hard to ask a lot of these other teams to have put them on the schedule a few years ago, a, a major conference opponent, in the non-conference that didn't really have the pedigree uh, to be, you know, a boost for a lot of these Big Ten or Pac-12, you know, middle-of-the-road teams that are in such good volleyball conferences. So, I mean, I think we can cut them a little bit of slack in terms of putting this non-conference together. I think if we're we're looking, you know, two or three years down the road and this team is still performing at the level that they are and we're not seeing an improvement in the non-conference schedule, then we can start to wonder – you know, why, why isn't it more exciting? Why aren't we seeing bigger names? Why aren't they challenging themselves? Um, I, I think this schedule was kind of put together in mind with, of a middle-of-the-road Big 12 team that could potentially challenge a lot of the upper levels, and we didn't necessarily uh, expect the big rise that we've had from this team and, and them being able to necessarily sustain it the way that they have. So uh, I, I, I agree with you. I'm really excited to see what's coming this season. You know, we have a lot of big names that are coming to Kansas. And, and again, Kansas is now a destination school for a lot of big name recruits. Um, kind of seeing what, uh, what Coach Richard has been able to put together. Um, it's, it's really exciting for a lot of people. And so I'm definitely hoping that I can get back to Lawrence at some point this season and see a game. I'm not really sure when that's going to happen, but I can definitely make sure uh, that it does happen at some point here. So I'm, I'm really excited for that to happen. Um, and I do hope we get more people that are interested in volleyball that are talking about volleyball, because I would love to cover it a lot more on the site. So. Yeah. Uh, I believe they went, I, I believe 2011, they went from worst 
to 2012, they went to, I believe, either second or third in the Big 12. Right. So you're right. There, there can be a lot of, of, of quick rising and, you know, conversely, quick falling, <laughs> as we've seen with Kansas football. Uh, there, there, there can be a lot of ups and downs with volleyball, but they've been consistent since 2014 even. They've been consistently a top 15 team. I mean, last year they were in the top 10 all year. And they beat te- – I'm come on, they beat Texas. Well, uh, it, but, you know, that goes without saying these days, right? Right, but, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's just been – and I don't know what has clicked. I mean, the, the coach, Ray Bichard, has been there, what, 15 or 17 years, something like that. And I don't know what has clicked in the last five years, but something has. Right. And they've got it rolling now. And they're even talking – I've heard talks. Now, again, this is just rumors from, you know, people in the stands and, and you know, some of the donors that you talk to or whatever, but I've heard rumors of, you know, trying to – uh, either build a new volleyball gymnasium or expand the one they have, which is kind of attached to Allen Fieldhouse, which I think would probably be kind of awkward. But I, I mean, there, there's talks about putting money into into the volleyball program. So I mean, things are good in Lawrence right now. It, it's a good time to be a Jayhawk. Uh, but I, I would like to see, uh, and, and you know, maybe, you know, maybe. KU is such a new kid on the block right now that maybe the Stanfords and Penn States and Wisconsin's and Nebraska's don't want to play KU. That that that's that's very possible. Uh, you, you know they and they, maybe that's not a big of a deal in volleyball. I don't know, and I don't know how the schedule works. Maybe you have some more insight into that than I do. I don't know how far in advance they do that, but you know fo- football's obviously six to ten years in advance. I don't know about the other. Yeah, so we, I believe um, volleyball is on about the same time frame as basketball, where you're putting most of your schedule together about four to five years in advance. Um, obviously, you have, kind of have to fill in a little bit here and there. Um, but, it, but especially for the big-name uh, matches, you know, you're usually looking for big-name opponents, I think, about four or five years out in advance. So, I mean, this is about the time where we would see now for the next couple of years that Kansas potentially would be putting some big names on. But – you know, this is, I think this is after this last season is kind of the first time where you can say, look, they've been consistent enough. I think we can consider them a big-name program that's going to be beneficial for both sides now to play. There's not a lot of um, – or it's not as likely at this point now that next year Kansas is going to fall off a cliff and be, you know, a huge underdog to a team like uh, Penn State. I mean, obviously, I think they would still be an underdog to Penn State. Definitely, yeah, definitely. Not a, not a huge underdog anymore. You know, and you, but you could get a team like a Wisconsin or like an Ohio State or um, even a Nebraska, and it be you know expected to be a competitive match, expected to be a big time match, and the Kansas isn't going to fall off a cliff next year, and all of a sudden it's you know getting swept in straight sets, uh, not being competitive at all. And so right, I, and I yeah, and I think with the way recruiting is going, and I, I think that that's definitely true. Right, I think it's big. They've got the recruiting now, the solid recruiting base. They've got the consistency over now a four- to five-year period. I think now they'll start being considered to be a marquee opponent for a lot of the other marquee programs. And so you'll start to see them to be able to schedule a lot better. Um, but, again, you know, with, with how far out the schedule has to be made, it's kind of hard to expect them, I think, at this point. If we don't start seeing some marquee matchups in the next couple years, then I think then we can start wondering, well, what's going on? Why are we not scheduling? We don't, we don't want to turn into, you know, the K-State of the volleyball world uh, where we schedule, you know, K-State football where they schedule a bunch of cupcakes and then play in the conference and, you know, try to convince everybody, oh, well, they've got a really, really good team <laughs> because they skated through that non-conference schedule. Um, I, I right. don't think we're in danger of that happening yet. You know, whole, whole- yeah, and, and don't get me wrong on the schedule. It's not a weak schedule by any means. 
it's just not a strong schedule. Like I said, there's still decent teams on there. There's still top 25 teams on there. Kentucky's going to be a top 25 team. Purdue probably will be a top 25 team. Creighton will definitely be a top 25 team. Missouri State could be a top 25 team. There's going to be some good some good teams on there, and it's going to be a, it's not going to kill their RPI, but right. it, it's also not going to help them either. That they, they might once again, you know, they're going to. I I feel like again, my opinion, I feel like they're going to be a top five ranked team all year, but uh, their RPI is going to be probably in the top twenty somewhere, hopefully top ten or fifteen, but uh, it, it's going to be. You know, come NCAA tournament selection time, there may be that danger of being lower seeded again, like last year. You know, Texas got the four, and we got the five. Right. Even though we beat them in conference by a full game, and you know, and split the series, but our IP, our IP, the our RPI was ten, theirs was two. Right. So that you know, and and you know, then you got the Texas reputation and the Texas facilities and the. You know, because we would have had to play an Allen Fieldhouse or whatever, and, you know, you get on politic type stuff, and, and, you know, you get into the weeds pretty quick with that type of stuff. But, uh, you know, the the main point, (laughs) the original point, it's not a weak schedule. It's just not a strong schedule. And I I expect them to dominate this schedule. I think they're going to be that good this year. Well, it should be really exciting to watch. Any, Any other thoughts on the volleyball team? That was my final thought. All right. Well, that's it for this segment. Um, go ahead. or Actually, I believe that this will be the final segment of this episode. So uh, part two of the season finale will be coming most likely tomorrow for, for those of you that are listening on, on the day of release. Uh, but we will have more for you. Um, and then after that, we're going to take a, a break for probably about a month or so and then jump in with, with football stuff. So make sure you join us for part two of the season finale of the Rock Chalk Talk podcast. Um, And thanks again for listening. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.